I, I want to talk about being a voice. You know, when Peter stood up, he raised his voice on the day of Pentecost. It was the day the church was born. There never was a Christian until Pentecost. There couldn't be. And so I just want to challenge your hearts and, and set the theme for the conference so everyone knows. Uh, a voice to the nations. Well, there, there are many voices, but there needs to be a voice. There needs to be a voice. Uh, if it's going to throw your mind into turmoil, it's already in turmoil, but it's in the wrong type of turmoil. At the ICBM conference, Benny Hinn uh, got up and he stated a statistic that really shocked me. In America, 98% of pastors in America no longer preach the gospel. 98%, just 2% are left preaching the gospel. And I thought, wow. Only 2% preach the cross, the blood, self-denial, and yielding to Christ. 98% preach a different gospel. And listening to Benny Hinn, uh, and he was saying, he realized that um, the church is in a bad state. Not because, uh, basically, the people are wrong. The leadership's gone wrong. And 98% of pastors don't preach the gospel anymore. I, I, years ago, I was in a place where where um, there was a pastor's meeting, there were about 42 pastors there. I think it was an AOG group. And um, I was sitting there, and they were discussing why nothing worked. And one, was, one said, well, the reason nothing's working in my church is because uh, um, I live in a large unemployment area and, you know, the unemployment, everyone's down and nothing's working. And the next one, well, I have a problem with the elders. They're against me. They don't support me and nothing's working. The next one, well, I live in an area where there's a lot of immigrants and, and I can't get on with them. And, and the next one, and they all went around. They all had a reason why nothing was working. The way it should. And then they said, um, Michael, you've said nothing. I said, no. They said, well, you've got the biggest church. It's thriving. What do you think? I said, you don't want to hear what I think. Oh, yes, we do. I said, oh, no, you don't. They said, oh, yes, we do. I said, oh, no, you don't. And they said, please, come on, tell us. You've got the biggest church. You've got... Uh, something that's right. Tell us what's the problem. So I said, You don't want to know. They said, Yes, we do. So I stood up and I said, Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. Problem's not unemployment, 
Problem's not immigration. The problem's not poverty. Problem's not the elders. Problem's not the people. I said, the true problem's in the pulpit. It's you. At that point, they all began to shout at me. Who do you think you are? I said, I told you, you didn't want to know what I thought. (laughs) I I like to be plain. I I mean, you, you can understand what I'm saying, can you? Or is it complicated? Uh, I, I want to take you to Scripture and show you. You know, there's, there's sometimes people... Now, if you get offended, you've got to think this. I've got to sit down and look honestly at my life. I hope we're all going to look honestly at our life over the days we're together and say, Hey, I want to hear what God's got to say. I'm not going to hide in a little fortress. I'm not going to hide trying to justify what's totally unjustifiable. I want to know. I want to know the truth. Because the truth will set me free. However, the verse before it says, If you continue in my word... Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The only reason people are in a mess is they're not continuing in God's word. They've started living their own way, with their own ideas. And so I thought it'd be good tonight to just set the scene by going back to the place that I love. It's called a book, the Bible. I am sick and tired of people that say God says, and it contradicts what's in here. I'm sick of it. I had a man I was talking with the other day, and he said to me, well, he said, God spoke to me. And he told me, uh, I I was getting all these miracles happening, and, and God told me, he said, that I wasn't to build a church. I said, well, that's funny. I said, because that contradicts what God says. Jesus, we're co-workers together with God. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of God is in the business of building his church. Amen? That's what God's doing. And if you're not building a church, then I tell you, you're not part of what God's doing in the earth. As simple as that. Um, And it's quite plain in scripture. And he said to me, said, well, yeah, but someone prophesied God's fed up with people who are building churches. He wants them to stop. Well, (laughs) just a minute. That contradicts the book. If it contradicts the book, what touchstone for truth do we have? So everything we want to talk about and every speaker, hey, we're going to talk from this book. And it's going to be in the book. And I don't care um, what people think. If it isn't in this book, I don't want to know. I'm not interested in theories. I'm not interested in visions. I'm interested in God and God's word. I love what Oral Roberts said to me. I went to interview him um, and his wife, Evelyn, Last year, I was sitting in his home, and all of a sudden, Oral leaned over to me, and he tapped me on the arm and said, young man, and he has a right to say it, he's 87, and I'm only 42. 
and a bit. Um, and he tapped me on the arm and he said, um, young man, he said, remember this, I never followed a vision and I never followed a dream. Never. I only did what God told me to do. And then he said, remember this. I never followed a vision and I never followed a dream. I only did what God told me to do. I obeyed him. Hey, when a man of 87 who's done what Oral Roberts has done in the world says that to you and says, you note it, I'll tell you what I did. I took it to heart. I said, that, that's what I believe. I find too many people have visions. If you've got a vision of you preaching to 10,000 people, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. You eat too much cheese at night. <laughs> you need your brain washed out. God knows you have enough problem with your ego without inflating it. I, I, I just want to <laughs> go to scripture. Um, look at this. Um, Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Galatians 3 verse 1 says this. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain... He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How's he doing it? Who's bewitched you? How come you get led away? You know, it's always a person who bewitches you. And it's interesting that Paul would use bewitching. Because I tell people, you know, most of it is Christian witchcraft today. Hear me. In 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 11, verse 3 to 6. But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted. From the simplicity that is, that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge... But we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. 
did you realize there's many Jesuses preached, but there's only one true Jesus? Many Gospels, but there's only one true Gospel. And, and Paul wouldn't have written this to the Corinthian church if it wasn't true. And you say, well, that's just one scripture. I'm glad you mentioned it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Says this. Galatians 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Hey. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that you have received, let him be accursed. There's only one true gospel. There's only one true Jesus. And I don't care what people think. There is truth and there's lies. And that's it. And we as Christians need to stand for what is true. And we need not to be ashamed of it. The trouble is today, everyone wants to be politically correct. They want to be ever so nice. As far as I'm concerned, as it says in Proverbs, a man has got to do what I'm... No, that's John Wayne. <laughs> but there's got to be manhood. You know what I find? People are all apologetic. Hey, if something's wrong, you're told to stand up, and if they won't listen to you when you talk to them in private, speak out before the whole church. There's got to be discipline. People don't want that anymore. What they want, they want to have their own little say. And they want discipline to go out the church door. Now, let me say, there's discipline when someone violates the word of God. It's not control, it's discipline. Control is when you try and impose you don't impose anything on people. You challenge them for the wrong lifestyle. The problem in life is sin. That's the problem. That's the issue. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Here's the way not to be the servant of Christ. Start pleasing people. And someone, when I started the church, someone came to me after a few months and said, Hey, Michael, if only you'd water down what you say, you'd get a lot more people staying. And I said, Look, I don't want that. And an ex-Baptist minister said to me, joined the church, got saved, his wife got saved. And he said to me, he said, You're the only pastor I know who's trying to get rid of people. He said, most people are trying to keep them. You're trying to get rid of them. You bet. If they don't want to go God's way, and they don't want to be uncompromising with truth, then, hey, you can't have a church. The church of Jesus Christ is based on truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. 
And the idea that everyone can have their own opinion, the scripture is for no private interpretation. What it says is what it means. What it means is what it says. And I find that's wonderful. But we've got a problem in the earth. The church is looking for business principles. People with MBAs to work out marketing strategies. They've changed it to a gospel of success, prosperity, self-fulfillment, not self-denial. The megachurches follow only positive, feel-good preaching. You know, I want everyone to feel good when they come in and feel good when they go out. Well, I'll tell you what I want. I want sinners to feel real miserable. I want them to feel so miserable they don't want to come back unless they repent. You've got to have a challenge. You know, Christianity is confrontation. If you don't want to be confrontational, then don't be a preacher. You know, Jesus loves you. His arms are open. Just waiting. Hey, I'll tell you something. Jesus does love everyone. <laughs> but I tell you what, he doesn't love sin. And he doesn't accept lifestyles that are totally contrary to his will. He says no. People are saying, hey, you can welcome anyone. <laughs> and that, you know, let's get to the gospel. There's an overemphasis on self-help and positive thinking. And then you've got the other group of people who are caught in legalism. I mean, the worst liturgy in the church today is the charismatic and Pentecostal liturgy. Goes something like this. Prophecy. Someone comes up, the Adah saith the Lord, and they guide their lives by it. Stupidity. And then you've got fasting. If you want to get, you know, I was over in Ghana, uh, and there's a church. I went to this church, and there they were uh, in demon worship. Big church, charismatic church in demon worship. If you wanted a word from God, you had to fast for seven days, put some money in an envelope, go to the man of God, pay him, and after seven days of fasting, he'd prophesy over you and tell you what was going to happen for the next year. That's witchcraft. That isn't Christianity. That is witchcraft. If you don't like it, I don't care. It's witchcraft. God does not make me a fortune teller. I'm here to speak as an oracle of God. I'm not here to give you guidance. Hey, you know, I've got enough trouble with my dog. I'm not gonna, I don't want to control people's lives. Grow up. It's dangerous. And then they, 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 people think you can get... Someone came to me and said, I, I, I'm fasting for 21 days. I said, eat. I said, no, I'm fasting for 21 days. I said, how long have you been? 14 days. I, fast. I said, I cast that demon out of you. Spirit of fasting, eat. I said, oh. I remember staying at, with 
my friend Archbishop Bensonina Hosa in Nigeria and someone came to him and sat, at, sat in his house and he said, come, we're having food, eat. Oh no, Archbishop, I can't eat. I'm on a 40-day fast. He said, you eat. And the chap said, no, Archbishop, and he, boom. <laughs> he gave him some help to the table. <laughs> now you know, oh, he did that, didn't he? He did that. <laughs> Boom! Sit down, eat. No, Archbishop, I'm fasting. Eat! And he ate. Now, <laughs> I love the Archbishop. You say, well, that was rough. No, that was loving. You know, uh, you, <laughs> by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. If you want to get close to God and you think you'll get close to God by fasting, just don't eat for the next year. You'll be very close. <laughs> That's terrible. People think you, you somehow, you know, I'm praying through. What, a fog? Or, or then they come to you say, you know, I, I've gone to seek God. Why? Has he got lost? I know where he is. He lives in me. I mean, grow up. That's Pentecostal liturgy. And it's as obnoxious as Catholic liturgy. And then they have the kind of discipleship. They want to disciple you. One-to-one -one discipling. It's control. How does it go wrong? How do things go wrong? It goes wrong because we get moves like Live 8. It's another gospel. Don't kid yourself. Do you know, a lot of people, they're caught up going to these concerts, but I'll tell you what they're promoting. It's another gospel. Totally another gospel. And I find a lot of Christians get involved. We get seeker-friendly. Another gospel. You know, make your building welcoming. So what do they do? They put welcome on either side of the door. Makes your building welcoming. I mean, that's just stupid. It's another gospel. Acceptance into the body of Christ is by repentance and new birth. Not a feel-good factor when you come to church. In other words, to become a member of a church, I want people to get born again. I want them to repent of their sin. I want to transform life. What I don't want is people coming because they say, oh, I so enjoy the music. I so, oh, you know, I go out and I feel so great. Hey, if it doesn't transform your life and deal with a sin issue in your life, it's not the gospel. People are deflected from the gospel into social action. Community answers instead of gospel preaching. We don't need to cancel debts. We need to deal with sin. And if you don't preach Christ and Christ is the answer, 
Not money and giving and social action. That's not the answer. What they need is Jesus Christ. What they need is a transformed life. What they need is true repentance. And what they need to hear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what they need is pastors who have the integrity to preach the truth and tell people, rather than pastors who, who compromise. We don't need to cancel debt. We need to deal with sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Sin is the issue. If you've got a problem in your marriage, I want to tell you, you don't need counseling. You need to realize the issue is sin. If you've got a problem with your children, you need to realize the issue is sin. If you've got a problem in your life, the issue is sin. It's not some mystical, oh, you know, I, I was abused when I was young. Grow up, everyone was abused. Life abuses everyone. Until you get saved, life's abusive. Come on. We have Christ. We preach Christ. That's the answer. And we need to stop compromising and try and reaching people with a false another gospel. And we need to tell them the truth. Hey, what you need is Jesus Christ to deal with sin. He came to save his people from their sin, not from demons. They were dealt with 2,000 years ago. You know, oh. People want to roll on the ground. I was over in Cameroon. Um, people wanted to roll on the ground. One woman rolled on the ground screaming. I was uh, taking a meeting. And I saw some ignorant pastors run over and try and cast a demon out. I said, shut up and sit down. You leave her alone. And when I got them off her, I looked at the woman and I said, shut up, sit down. And she sat down. That was it. Not having the devil. If you let, give the devil attention, he gives you direction. And you don't do it. I tell you, she sat there. At the end of the meeting, she came out. She got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. And I'll tell you what. She said, while you were preaching, something left me. Turn the light on and the devil's gone. You don't have to cast demons out. You preach the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's not some witchcraft, voodoo. Hey, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And, and, and you know, when Jesus comes in, a light and darkness can in no wise dwell together. Get Jesus in you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when he's there, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The devil's in trouble. Amen? We need to stick to gospel. Where does the error come from? Well, I'll tell you where the errors come from in the church. They've changed the gospel. And the results, uh, and these are the results, and I want you to make a note of them. The result is they deny, there's a denial of the depravity of man's nature before new birth. Look, I want to tell you something. Man is totally depraved. Until you're born again, you're in total depravity. There is nothing good in you. 
You were born and conceived in sin. And that driving power of sin is in you. It will compel you to do what you don't want to do. And what you do want to do, you can't do because that power's there. And Jesus Christ has come to break the power of sin and deliver us from it. And I'll tell you, he breaks and slays the old Adam and gives us a new life in Christ. And there's no such thing as this dual personality. You're not a schizophrenic, you're a Christian. Christ is in you. And the life you live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God. And stop being so spiritual. You know, I can't stand it when people get all spiritual. Oh, mussy. That, grow up. Jesus was normal, down to earth. He had his feet on the floor. Hmm? Uh, I hope you don't mind plain speech. Uh, I don't care if you don't, you're going to get it. Um, Okay, number two, they preach experience instead of biblical truth and rely on perceptions rather than scripture. I, I don't care what I see, it's what I know. And I know that God is true. And I know that what you see sometimes isn't what you think. Uh, you think, you know, it's a demon. Uh, there's powers in your soul, uh, lake. A psychologist who did um, psychiatry at the turn of the century. He used to psychoanalyze people and he got group therapy and people would roll on the ground screaming, they would mess themselves, they would vomit, they would do all sorts. He wasn't a Christian. And these people, when they came and faced their emotional traumas inside, their whole physical body would react. They hadn't got demons. He didn't offer Christ. But you can read about it. He psychoanalyzed people and, and there was mass hysteria in the whole group. People would attack each other in the room. Now, if they were in a Pentecostal church, you'd say, that's a demon. No, it's the agony of a soul. <laughs> I'll tell you, the soul of man's got a lot of power in it. And when you're tormented by your thoughts and you're tormented by things, I'll tell you, you'll react physically. But what you do is you tell people to shut up and sit down and you preach the good news to them. Jesus has come to set you free. Amen? Is that plain? And then thirdly, it's doctrines they have that are based on anecdotal experiences and not the Word of God. I find that Pentecostals um, base everything on, on experiences. Oh, well, you know, um, prayer and fasting is important to get God to move. Well, God isn't moving anywhere. He's sitting in heaven on his throne and the earth is his footstool and he's not moving. He's waiting for you to move and do what he says. And you can die of starvation before you're going to get God to move. He wants you to obey him. And revival is a non-biblical term. 
Uh, it's only used twice in Scripture when Christ was revived from the dead uh, once, and the second time is the law came, sin revived, and I died. Paul says in Romans. And they're the only two times it's used in Scripture. So revival is not a biblical term. But I'm amazed how many people are praying for what's not biblical. Christ lives in me. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what. I'm so alive, I'm happy. He lives in me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You imagine if I, I was walking by a hospital and all of a sudden the doors burst open and out ran a medical team and they threw me on the ground and they started trying to put electrodes on my heart to get it working. I'd knock them off. I'd say, I'm alive. Well, why is it Christians are praying for God to bring them to life when they're already living? You tell me. The trouble is they don't know what they've got and they don't live in the power of what they've got and they live in some deception thinking, Lord, you know, come down from above. He lives in me. Oh, come up from the deep. He lives in me. Romans 10. <laughs> don't say I'm going to bring him down from heaven. But that's what they're doing. Return heavenly dove from on high. And he says, I haven't gone there. I'm here. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. What uses a cup with a river? I mean, you know, I've got a river of life in me. It's so stupid. And, and it's kind of Pentecostal liturgy. Hello? Maybe no one's understanding what I'm saying. I don't know. The numbers game is the criterion of success, not true conversions. You know, the numbers game. If you've got 10 people, praise God for the 10 people. If you've got 20 people, praise God for the... But at least be honest. Stop conning yourself and conning everyone else. Someone invited my wife to go and preach. They said, oh, we'll have 70, 80 people there. And she was going to speak at a women's meeting. She turned up and there were 12. Well, why lie? Tell the truth. Hey, we started with three people in a living room. It nearly became a death room. Uh, you know, but we, that's how we started. And, and everyone starts somewhere. But the one thing you've got to do is have integrity. Hmm? And we need to be honest. You know, if you've got a problem, hey, what we want to do is lift you up and help you and tell you how to overcome the problem. What we don't want to do is to cover up the thing and you go away and nothing's changed. Churches have become community centers, providing for carnal needs, like country clubs. You've got ice rings. Go along, you can go skating with the family. Uh, and, you know, you can count them. Uh, they've turned up at the ice ring, and they opened Starbucks coffee bar. 
I mean, a lot of people will call in for a Starbucks. Mine's a latte, if you know anywhere. Where, go on. Um, and, and, you know, people, they live for that. But that's not church. Church are people who come to the cross. Two Corinthians four, verse one. Two Corinthians four, verse one. Let me read it to you. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Hello? We've renounced the hidden things of what? Dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but my manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's God who does it. Hey, if you're struggling, I want to tell you something. Stop struggling. Let Christ come inside. When he does it, it's easy. While you try and have faith to do it, it won't work. It's really getting to where Paul was where he said I live nevertheless not I but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God when you've got God's faith God's life God's power it's easy when you're doing it in yours it's blithering difficult and when you're claiming scriptures that aren't reality I'll tell you what happens you end up in deception. Now, no one's trying to put you down. What I'm trying to do is say, hey, let's not walk in craftiness or deceitfulness. Let's just be honest with where we are. I can go on with God if I'm honest about where I am. I can't go on with God if I, I'm trying to deceive myself. <laughs> okay? Hello? Hello? Talk to me, is that okay? Yes. <laughs> you know? It's not so bad, is it? No. Some of you look as though you're at the dentist. <laughs> you know? It's not... Oh. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. What is the gospel? Moreover, brethren... I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Hey, 
Once you hear the gospel, you've got to keep it in memory. You know what people do? They get other things besides the gospel in their minds. And they start relying on other things other than the gospel. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Number one. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also, as a one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now, listen, Paul's saying, it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God. Grace is undeserved favor. I don't deserve. God gives a gift to me and I labor in that gift and it works in me because I have his life in me and he is the one that does the work. And he says, anyone that's entered into his rest has ceased from his own works, even as God did from his. It's in Hebrews. The day you stop doing it and you let God do it is the day when you find everything's easy. Until then, Christianity is a struggle. That which I would not, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, I pray, I fast, I... Oh, God, where are you? I've seen people in terrible stress. I tell them it's easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. How much? Hey, there's light here. Anyone want to weigh what light is? It's not heavy, is it? Look, I can move it up and down. It's so easy. I, I find pastors have burnout. The only burnout I've ever had is when I've had too hot a curry. I mean, <laughs> you know, grow up. You know, uh, you know, the weight of the work. If the weight of the work, you better dump it. Straight away. You know, I swear in. Glory to God. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. And it goes on. I, I, you know, the book's so wonderful. <laughs> you, you can't go wrong. You, you know, you just got to read this book. <laughs> really. Look, the gospel which I preached unto you. Look, for I delivered unto you, verse 3, First of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he were, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Do you know, it's so easy. 
the gospel. Why, why are we getting off onto these highfalutin? There's principalities and powers over the city. What we need to do is write a scripture on a wooden stake and drive it into the ground, then march around the city and claim it for God. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 80. These Corinthians took pride in human wisdom and the wisdom of the world. And Paul goes to great lengths to show them that wisdom is worthless. The wisdom of the Corinthians was so proud, that were so proud of, they, it was actually contrary to the gospel. And he says, um, verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. God says natural wisdom isn't going to get you there. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse uh, 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Do you know, your sanctification is not a process, it is a person. Redemption is a person. I find people, they, they think they go through a process. No, it's a person. He is my righteousness. I don't have righteousness. He is my righteousness. He died. He, took, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. It's his righteousness. It's not my righteousness. I'm not going about trying to establish what I am. I'm going about to tell people what he is. I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen? Hello? Is that clear? 
People, that, you get worried. Look, I, I'm not perfect. We have this treasure, it goes on to say, in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Thank God I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. I'm me. You know, I'm not someone else. I'm me. And God loves me. And everyone, you can find fault in anyone. You can find things to criticize in anyone. Because everyone's human. Do you know with Jesus it was quite simple. Huh? Carpenter's son. Who educated you? Huh? Born out of wedlock. Huh? Eat with unwashing hands. Huh? Heal the sick on the Sabbath. Huh? Huh? And you know, if you want to find fault, hey, the only reason people attack a preacher is because they don't like what he says. But they can't attack what he says, so they attack the person. That's why Paul said, hey, you know, you, you didn't despise me in the flesh. If you want to despise and, and ignore the word of God because you don't want to change your life, because your conviction gets too hot for you, then you attack the person who brought the message. Moses, who made you king? Who gave you the right to lead us? Huh. Is Aaron better than any of us others? Truth is no. We're all flesh and blood, skin and bone. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Amen? Amen. People used to come to me, ah, I don't like that man, Benson Ederholzer. Why not? And they used to tell me lies. What, what, I, was, I was in one place. They said, do you know he has five wives and loads of children by these women and he, they follow him around. I said, well, that's funny. I said, I've traveled with him. He has police guards go with him everywhere he goes in Nigeria. And I want to tell you, they're Muslims. And if they knew that he was messing about with women, they would report him to the government and the Muslims would be on him like a shot. Furthermore, I've got an apartment in his home. Oh, I didn't know you knew him. I said, well, shut your mouth and don't tell lies. Now, why did they say it? Because he raised 14 people from the dead. He started 6,000 churches in, in 20, 26 years, was it? Kent, I can't remember how many years. And it's 7.5 million members. And guess what it was? It's a little old thing called envy. You know, the, the British tradition, if someone's successful, or the African tradition, you've got to humble them by pulling them down by telling lies. Or finding fault. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I'm an earthen vessel. I have a treasure inside. His name is Jesus. He lives in me. I'm still, human. I'm still human. And then turn to the person next to you and say, and I think you're human too. <laughs> Why is it that people try and pretend that they're perfect? Now look, he is my righteousness. 
I'm justified by what he did 2,000 years ago. So are you. You know, some of you are so perfect, you never break wind. I mean, you know, grow up. Uh, that is, uh, uh. <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? Isn't that true? Let's look at the last scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. You men of Israel, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concern of it, concerning him I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he's on my right hand that I should not be moved therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou will not leave my soul in hell neither will suffer thine holy one to see corruption thou hast made known to me the ways of life thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance men and brethren let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch david that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day therefore being and i can't turn over the page being a prophet and knowing that god had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he have shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's how the church was birthed. 3,000 souls were added to the church on the preaching of the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. And that is what the church and the people need to hear, that sin is the issue. Do you notice he didn't mention devils or demons? He mentioned sin. You took him, you he died for my sin. He rose again. We need to get back as a people to preach the gospel. We need to tell people the issue is sin. We need to be straight with people that God has said there's a way of living and that way of living is living in holiness, but it's his holiness, not mine. It's his life, not mine. It's his faith, not mine. Until that happens we will not see a move of God. Because 
The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And until we start preaching the gospel, we will not see miracles. I want to tell you this. If you are a preacher of the gospel and you preach the true gospel, miracles will be automatic in your church. And if you don't see miracles, it's because you do not preach the gospel. I don't care if you say the words, you are not preaching the gospel. You're preaching ideas, you're preaching philosophy, but you're not preaching the gospel. Wherever the gospel is, it's the power of God unto salvation. And I believe it. <laughs> That's what it says in Romans chapter 1. I've found wherever I go in the world, when I get up and preach the gospel, the automatic response is miracles. When I was in Cameroon, just recently with my wife, I tell you, 15 people, born blind, received their sight. A woman who had her eye gorged out in an accident. Hey, God created an eyeball and she got her sight back. Cancered with it, deaf and dumb mutes. And I'll tell you what, at the last conference here, we had blind women come up and they received their sight here last year. And I just got a young man up who, who was crippled and Gene up who, who was crippled for 17 years. Hey, the gospel is the power of God. You don't need some power or some anointing. You need the gospel. We're here to challenge you. With every fiber of my being, I want to challenge you. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ we need to preach. We need to stop the gimmicks. We need to stop the games. We need to stop the praying. And we need to be preachers. God never said, go, pray, pray, pray. He said, preach, teach, heal. And I tell people, God didn't send me to pray for the sick. He told me to heal them. That's different, isn't it? So, oh, Lord, you know. Oh, God. You want to grow up. Stirred myself up. You know. <laughs> Do you know, there's every fiber of my being. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this earth, but I'll tell you one thing. As long as I'm on this earth, there's one thing I believe. The gospel. What Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago is sufficient for every need. When he bled and died and when he rose again from the dead and when he ascended into heaven, he led captivity captive. I want to tell you there's no bondage, there's no disease, there's no deformity, there's no inability that my God is not Lord of. And we're about the gospel. We're not coming to talk mamby-pamby you. And we're not coming to make you feel good. In fact, I hope you feel awful. Until you start preaching the gospel. If 98% of American preachers, as Benny Hinn said, there was a survey done, 98% don't preach the gospel anymore. Something's going wrong. Hmm? Hey, we can change things. As individuals, we can say, right, that's it. Wherever I go, gospel. 
And the gospel is defined by Paul. We're talking about the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. We're talking about the simplicity of the blood of Jesus that was shed. We're talking about his righteousness. We're talking about him living in us. I live nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to tell you, that's the whole tenet of the conference we've gathered together. I've got, uh, I know Don Double believes it. I know uh, that my friend Charles Green believes it. Hey, we're gospel preachers. Stuff and nonsense. We don't do anything else. We've only got one message. It's called the gospel. <laughs> And that's what people don't want. Because it's a challenge and a confrontation. Look, you aren't entitled to live the way you want to live. You're only entitled to live according to his will. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. I want to go God's way. The gospel. He's a wonderful God, isn't he? is a wonderful savior. You know, if we could just come together and be honest with each other, look each other in the eye, and, and do business with God over these days together. You don't have to wear a mask anymore, take it off. <laughs> you don't have to pretend, because I want to tell you, your mask shows up anyway. If we're honest with each other, we could help each other this time we're together. We could really do something that's never been done before. We could get a group of men together who told the truth to one another. Not out of any way of controlling, but just out of love and care. When we started and I thought of the people coming and I thought, God, you know, what voice do they need to hear? I tell you the voice. It's the voice of him that speaks from heaven. His name is Jesus. The world needs to hear that voice. And it's the same voice that tells us of Calvary. 2,000 years ago, my Jesus came. He bled and died. He became sin. He took all my sin into his own body on the tree. The book says, he became sin who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God through him. Not through us, through him. He lay in that tomb. 
He was dead. They'd whipped him, beaten him, tortured him. In Psalm 22 it said every bone was out of joint. He suffered. Bled and died. Why when the centurion came he thrust a spear into his side. And outflowed blood and water. They took his corpse. And they laid it in a borrowed tomb. It was there. The disciples all scattered. They didn't understand. On the first day of the week, the women came. And they found the stone rolled away. They looked inside and the tomb was empty. Jesus was risen. Do you know my Bible says the glory of the Father raised him from the dead. And that power that brought my Jesus out of the tomb, that brought that corpse back to life, that brought that broken heart to beat again, that caused every fiber of his being to live. That power is the same power that works in you and me this day. We have that same power in us. It says in Ephesians, to us would that power is given that raised him from the dead. That power is in us. We're not looking for something to come from heaven. We're not looking for something to come from the deeps. We have the power that raised Jesus from the dead in us. And he also quickens our mortal flesh by his spirit. What glory it is. He ascended into heaven. He poured out the Holy Ghost. The church was born. And it's just a matter of this. Will you acknowledge where you are and realize all your efforts are vain? But this Jesus has got a gift for you. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift. And tonight he wants to give you a gift. It's free. Can't earn it. You can't get your life right. He doesn't want you to surrender your life to him. That's evangelical claptrap. God doesn't want your stinking life. He wants to give you his life. I like that. He doesn't need you. He wants you to have him. That's the wonderful thing. It's an exchange. It says in my Bible, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and all things are of God. He says, come on. I don't need your life. I want to give you a gift. My life. What a life. 
And that life has power unlimited within. Because it's God himself living inside. <laughs> the Quakers used to call it being godded with God. Being alive in him. And we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. It's wonderful. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It just matters where you are tonight. You can hide, you can wear a mask, or you can come with open face to him who knows everything and say, my God, <laughs> you did it all. I want to cease from my works as you did from yours. I want to come into rest. I want to come into all that there is in you. I know things are wrong, but Lord Jesus, you came to put them right. You came to give me your life. Isn't that easy? This isn't claiming a scripture. <laughs> this is just receiving a gift. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to fast for it. You don't have to kind of be good for it. It's free. You don't have to deserve it. Can't deserve this. Totally undeserved. And totally free. It's called the gospel. What a gospel. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just pray now in your mercy and love you'll reach inside. Lord, only you can quicken a word. Only you can make it living inside a man or woman. If you know that you need that gift of grace, if you know things are wrong and the real issue is sin and you've heard what's said and you know the Holy Spirit has spoken inside of you, it's not a philosophy but you know God has spoken to you. What I want you to do is not move from where you are. Just put up your hand where you are. Your right hand. Hold it right up. If you know God's spoken to you. This is man and God. If you've got your right hand up. I just want you to stand up where you are. Just stand up where you are. Don't worry about anyone else. You put your right hand up. I want to pray with you. The rest of you keep your eyes closed. You can put your hand down. I want to pray for you. If you know 
So Holy Ghost. I tell you, there's a miracle right here for you. This night it's going to change. You thought it would never change? Well, I'm telling you, change is here. <laughs> this is the truth. I want you to leave where you are. Come down the front quickly. Come. Come. Just come straight down the front. Don't worry about anyone else. It's the first day of a new life. It's the cross. The power of God under salvation. God's not come to condemn you. He's come to tell you, hey, I took it all. He became sin who knew no sin. Every sin from the day of your birth to this moment was laid on him. He's taken it all. It's over. It's over. Look at me. Look at me. It's what he did. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. Jesus did it all. And it's a free gift. You can't make yourself anything. He's come to give you his life. That's what's so wonderful. It's a gift. And you can just receive it simply by believing. It's that simple. It's a good gospel. He loves you. Hadn't come to condemn you, accuse you. He's come to wash it all away. Tell you it's over. There's a new life in him. Amen. Isn't that simple? So simple. So, so easy. He did it all. There's no more. Holy Ghost. It's going to end this night. It's going to end. It's going to end tonight. Go on, just lift up your heart to him.
grace.